You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. As we're going to talk a little bit, not just recruiting, we're talking about a lot of different topics here. But before we get to that, Nate, this segment of the Husker Online Show is brought to you by our friends at Kugler Vision. Give us the latest and greatest, Nate, with Kugler Vision. Yeah, Kugler Vision, chugging right along. Uh, they are open and, and um, are have put protocol in place to make things easier than ever for you you go to cooglervision.com go to uh to fill out their online consultation form you can take a quiz to see what uh, vision correction works best for you and it is uh virtually hands-free uh contactless um you know information that they'll be able to gather from you and and get your vision corrected uh you know, i'm i'm better than 2020 and it took less than two minutes for them to to do it on both of my eyes could not be happier that it's done go to cooglervision.com all right, Nate, uh, I want to get right to this recruiting topic here. Uh, Nebraska makes another Bellevue West recruiting offer, this time uh, to wide receiver tight end Caden Helms. Uh, I believe this is the fifth Bellevue West offer Nebraska's made since Jalen Bradley. Yeah, I think so. you got Caden Helms, Micah Riley. Uh, Keegan Johnson. Keegan Johnson. Um, and then Jalen Bradley. So, yeah, the fifth the fifth one. Well, Xavier Betts, duh. Um, yeah, he's <laughs> the, the biggest one in there, uh, arguably. So, uh, yeah, this was, you know, something that I, I know uh, Nebraska had been keeping a close eye on Caden Helms. Obviously, he had a good sophomore season, and, you know, they invited him up for that big junior day, the very first, you know, big junior day event that they had in the end of January. Um, you know, and, and they, they've been, you know, on him ever since and really started picking the, the contact up as much as they could. You know, obviously they're not able to initiate any contact, but I know they were contacting Coach Huffman and Huffman would tell Caden to call the coaches. And there's a lot of conversations that were taking place there. Well, Caden goes out to the Sharp Performance Combine or Showcase in, in um, Salina, Kansas, does very, very well. And then he went to the Warden, Warren Academy Showcase in Omaha there and, and did fantastic there as well. Uh, and I think that was all Nebraska needed to see. You know, After they were able to kind of get their hands on some numbers and see how he's developed and uh, maybe see a little bit of film from those showcase events, I, I, they, they pulled the trigger on him. And, I, and I'll tell you right now, he's developed uh, an amazing amount since the, the end of last season. I think he, he was like 6'4", 188 at the end of last year. He's 6'5", uh, 212 right now. And it's, he's, he's all muscle. Uh, I mean, he's been putting in an awful lot of work and looked really, really good at the Warren Academy showcase, uh, or at both showcases that we saw him at. So um, to me, I think it made sense for for Nebraska to offer him and now they've got four in-state offers made for the class of 2022 before the start of their junior years which is something that hasn't happened um, in 10 plus years. All right Robin I want to switch to basketball because you've done a great job of documenting the arrival um, both uh, Drago and Thor have made it to Lincoln internationally one guy though is not here yet Correct. Uh, 12 of Nebraska's 13 scholarship players are on campus and going through workouts. The lone exception is Shamil Stevenson, who is currently back home uh, with his family in Toronto. And he's doing so uh, basically because he and his family decided that, um, you know, he was safer and at least in a better spot 
um, back home during you know this this coronavirus stuff. So uh, the good news, I guess, is that uh, this isn't a surprise to Nebraska. Um, Shamil and his family have stayed in regular contact with the coaching staff and um, let them know of his plans all along. And basically, uh, the the plan is that he's going to stay there until he's required to come back. And right now, everything's just a voluntary basis. So um, he doesn't need to be back in class you know, obviously, or on campus. Classes are still online. Um, I think their uh, official workouts or practices start August 13th. And then, um, you know, classes start the, the week after. So you would imagine something would happen within the next couple of weeks. But it's a concern that one guy is choosing not to be back with the rest of the team, whereas everybody else is here uh, kind of going through a very important offseason process of uh, a bunch of dudes that have never met each other trying to become a team. And you have one guy who hasn't played basketball or meaningful basketball in almost two years choosing not to be a part of it. And, you know, again, you can't judge anybody for their personal decisions, but uh, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. And until he sets foot on campus, um, I would say there's at least some level of concern there. All right. I wanted to talk more. Now, let's back to the scheduling stuff. Uh, Power five leagues. It's really interesting just how different everybody is. I remember when the Big Ten announced that they were going to go 10 games or conference only. That was really out there at that time that everybody in the Power five has a sense essentially copied that. Uh, the ACC is going to play potentially one non-conference game. They may not do it now, though, because the SEC is not going to um, cooperate with them on those interstate rivalry games. And that was the whole reason why the ACC did what they did. The Big 12 is going to let them play one non-con game um, against uh, basically an FCS-type team. But other than that, you're going to basically see all Power 5 and Power 5 copying what the Big 10 has done. But the start dates are so unique. I mean, the SEC is going to go on the 26th. The Big 12 could go on the 26th or the 19th. Uh, the Big 10 is going on the 5th. The ACC is going to go basically the 12th, uh, week 2. Um, so, it, you know, in the Pac-12 is week three. Um, it, it's just so interesting how different the approaches are with these Power Five leagues on how they attacked these schedules. Yeah, and it just shows that uh, kind of the chaotic nature of college athletics right now, the fact that there's no um, singular oversight to all this, and basically the conferences are basically trying to just figure it out on their own. It's a really – bad look for the NCAA and we knew that you know they didn't really have much of a say with football but uh, there's been a lot of conversations about just this whole process of conferences uh, kind of taking their own situations by the horns without any really care about what the NCAA thinks is this the start of a you know in some people's opinion uh, long overdue movement to break from the NCAA and you know become uh, a, a, a separate entity with college football in particular where you don't have the NCAA meddling in their issues, especially now that the sport has grown to the level that it is. Yeah, to me, I mean, when you when you look at it, how things have kind of played out here, I, mean, to, I, I don't know what the benefit is of the the NCAA, um, at least as far as football is concerned. Just a governing rule book yeah. for recruiting and. But how well do they even yeah. govern those rules? They don't I mean, even enforce the rules. Exactly. I, I, I mean, it's and not uniformly, at least. I mean, there's so many different, you know, certain people get waivers over others, and, and you've got certain schools that, that are breaking rules and, and virtually go unpunished, whereas others, you know, get, 
get the the hammer brought down on them. I, I just I don't know I don't know how much it makes sense. To me, this is like the perfect time if if uh, you know Power Five or or even all of college football wanted to to break off from the NCAA. This might be the time to do it. It just the the layers are so deep because then what happens to the College World Series? Yeah. College baseball is much bigger than just the power conferences. Like there's smaller leagues in college baseball that are power conferences based on how they compete. In college basketball, the college, big the Big East, like what happens to them? Yeah. College basketball is totally dependent on the NCAA because they make their money on the NCAA tournament. That's how college basketball conference or the sport gets paid. Or the conferences get paid is because of their participation in the NCAA tournament. I think football could break off, but then the NCAA would be like, fine, then you can't partake yeah. in our tournaments for I'm the other. I'm sure sport. that line would be drawn in the sand too. And that's yeah. the only bargaining chip right now. The NCAA has is that tournament. And then obviously college world series and, and you know, the other championships they provide because who really wants to facilitate like a tennis championship, a swimming champion. Mean, there's a lot that goes into that. Yeah. And you know, with the movement of guys or schools cutting sports like that, you know, more and more by the day, you know, maybe this is kind of, again more dominoes falling in that direction to where uh, you know th those types of sports are played on a conference basis and maybe not on a national basis. I mean, there, there's a lot of uh, ripple effect that could potentially happen if football continues to head the direction it's heading. Yeah, at the very least, there's got to be some private conversations that are being had uh, during all this. Uh, you know, does it make sense, or what would it look like if we wanted to separate and, and do our own thing? I, I just, I don't know. When, when I look at it, and this is something we've all talked about for years and years, I, I think, or, or kind of just thrown out there. But when you look at it, um, you know, if there ever was going to be a time to, to at least have a serious conversation about it, it probably would be right now. The real trendy phrase people like to use is, "Does college football need a czar?" And it's just so unrealistic. <laughs> um, I mean. The Power Five leagues are not going to ever allow there to be a czar. I mean, imagine the political world we live in outside of sports with Republicans and Democrats. Well, the Power Five is basically like five different parties. Mm -hmm. And there's just no way all five parties are ever going to agree upon. I mean, I remember how controversial it was when the committee was put together for the college football playoff. And the guys in the South said there needs to be more people that sleep in southern beds on that committee. Mm. Yeah, and so what guys or what conference is going to want? Is the Big Ten going to want an SEC guy making decisions? The Pac-12 going to want a Big Ten guy making decisions? I mean, there's a lot of uh, regional bias and conference bias that goes into that, and a lot of egos, really, because everybody is going to look out for their conference and their league and their teams, uh, and if that comes at the expense of other people, then that would heavily influence some decisions. Oliver Luck has always been talked about as the popular choice because – he was at West Virginia. He's from Texas. He's got the Stanford. I mean, he's, he's kind of well-received in all parts of the country. Um, and he's a name that you hear thrown out. But it, it's not going to happen. No. I no. mean, <laughs> I think we're a long way from that. Maybe if this season goes well and the conferences are able to put this thing forward and pull it out, then maybe that discussion happens further. Yeah, the that's always like a big national summer radio college football topic. Does college football need a czar? <laughs> I think you need to say it that way every time. Now. Well, and, and you get like these national guys and they, they like, I mean, it's just every summer they, they bring it up. They need one, but it's not going to happen. And it and that's where it's at right now. But Okay. <laughs> anyway, fun show, guys. Um, man, I know we got a long ways to go, but today was a big mile marker in getting to that place. 
Um, I know there have been, you know, a lot of people critical that I'm so optimistic about football. Husker kid on the board, one of them. Um, sorry, I'm calling him out because he he came at me hard. Um, and I'm not saying I'm I, I, I'm just an optimistic per- person by nature, but I thought today was a big step to get there. I'm not saying the season's going to go off without any hiccups. They're right. expecting hiccups. But I thought this was a big step forward that the Big Ten put everything on paper and said, here we go, let's go. Yeah, it's just all about navigating at this point. And like we talked about, there's a lot of ability to be flexible and adjust accordingly. And guess what? Next radio show, fall camp will be going full yes. steam ahead. I'm just glad we have something tangible to talk about instead of pure speculation and, and saying we won't around be, about We won't be asked, will they play a yeah. season? <laughs> I mean, yeah. we, we are running out of food in the fridge right yeah, now. I mean, we are, we are cooking the uh, two-year-old Trader Joe's salmon. Yeah. I mean, that's been sitting in your freezer. Yeah. I mean, it was getting that, dire. So that we, can of Spam was looking pretty good for <laughs> this. The Spam, the, the broken up uh, ramen noodles, you know, that was just like crushed. And crushed up on the back of the cabinet. Yeah. Yeah. The fried rice bag from Trader Joe's <laughs> that you bought about three years ago, and it's just terrible. But yeah, all right, well. We'll have a good show next week and lots more to talk about. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.